severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I am of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and it's great to be back doing the intro again. Massive shout out to Elliot for covering for me last week. Unfortunately, I was floored with food poisoning, but pleased to report. I'm absolutely fine now, all good and very much alive. But yeah, I'm recording this week's intro on my mobile phone. Tried to use my professional recorder, but I could not get it to work because I'm terrible at technology. So apologies, Elliot. It's the hottest day I think I've ever witnessed in Scotland. There's a heat wave across most of the UK. As I record this, it's apparently 30 degrees in Scotland, which to anyone that doesn't believe in climate change or global warming, I think just debunks your theories but i'm just out for a walk it's a beautiful sunny day i'm recording this sort of in the afternoon just having a quick break from work so i didn't fancy sitting in my room tonight on a microphone so apologies if the sound quality isn't quite what it usually is but anyway thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast if you're a new listener welcome we've got a brilliant episode in store for you tonight or today or whenever you are listening to this week's episode and on the podcast this week I was joined by the brilliant and talented writer and actor, Jack Hunter. I actually know Jack from my Queen Margaret days. Uh, me and Jack were both at university together. He was in the year above me at uni, and we were on a module together where we studied playwriting, and I had the, that's where I met Jack. Um, I haven't seen Jack for like five years, so it was an absolute pleasure to catch up with him and to get him on the podcast. We had some amazing chats. Jack opened up about his experiences as, as an actor and a writer. He talked about his new friend show, which is very exciting, which is called One of Two, and that's going to be on at Summer Hall, and there's a link to that in the show notes. Jack talks way more about it in the episode. Jack also very kindly opened up about having cerebral palsy and sort of disability. We had a really good chat about disability, actually, and, like, Jack is a massive activist and stuff in that space, and it was just amazing to hear sort of his story and what he had to say on that. We haven't had a conversation quite like that on the podcast before, so that was lovely. There's a Bob Dylan impression, and we just had a really nice sort of chat and catch up a bit of nostalgia for our Queen Margaret days it was really nice but no it's a great episode I hope you enjoy it I'm sure you will really really warm and funny one I'm trying to think if there's anything else oh yes of, of course as always if you're a new listener be sure to go back and check out our back catalogue this is episode 84 we have lots of brilliant conversations this month is very fringe themed of course a lot of our guests are taking a show to the fringe since it's coming up in August I cannot wait to sort of share some news about that and the podcast in next week's episode hopefully we'll have that all confirmed but some very exciting news coming. And as always, remember word of mouth is our greatest tool to grow, so spread the word about the podcast, tell people to listen, share us on social media, leave us a review, all the usual stuff I say every week that you don't need to hear. But anyway, this is definitely enough waffle. It's definitely far too hot to be recording this. I'm off to enjoy the sun after work, hopefully. Stay safe, drink plenty of water, all that jazz. And yeah, I hope you enjoy episode 84, Just Get A Real Job, with actor and writer Jack Hunter. I know, it's a scary voice. 
Hi, Not Jack. How you doing? More of this at all. Um, <laughs> no, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm good, bit, man. The bit where you pretend that you haven't had like a bit of off-air chat, but Jack, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. Thank you very much, and it's lovely to see you again. How yeah, you man, it's really nice to see you too, and thanks for having me on. Like, I know that you're cracking on with this, and it's really nice. I mean, it's been really nice since I last saw you this morning. I know that was, that was a funny coincidence. So basically, like for just for the listeners, me and Jack were meant to record this on Tuesday night, but we Jack had just like moved into a flat that had some Wi-Fi issues. It just that we yeah, didn't man. have to. We moved it to today on Thursday, and very rare to find myself outside at half eight in the morning. But I decided for once I'm going to be that person I'm not, and we try and go to the gym before work. As I leave that, I just bumped into Jack outside, saying that I haven't properly seen Jack in person for five years. <laughs> it happens to be the day that we're about to record an interview that night. So it was just bizarre, but it was lovely to bump into you randomly. Mate, uh, I was impressed. <laughs> I was impressed. You were like, you were pulling like some Rocky for like sort of montage gym shit with like, you know, that when he's running up the mountain about to fight Ivan, Ivan Dragon, Drago even. It was like, you know, instead of the mountain, it was like Leaf Walk. Yeah, exactly. I was impressed. Walking down it, I may add, but you know, still. Nah, man, like oh, you shouldn't have said that. I was like building you up. I'm, it's all about support. They know, Jack. They know the truth. They don't need to, need to lie to the listeners for me. No, that was just so funny to like obviously bump into you before this interview. But obviously, Jack, you are an actor, you're a writer. Like I, I know you from from the QMU days, basically. Like, I remember yeah, we man. did a you were in the year above me at Queen Margaret. Well, you did drama and performance, didn't you? Yeah, I was a dad. Yeah. I was um, a taff back in the day. A taff. <laughs> taff is like slang for Welsh person, isn't it? I think, I think it might be as Welsh well. Welsh people are called taffs. But in the QMU world, it was theatre and film back in the yeah, day. Yeah, that's so. it. No, a drama and performance guy. Yeah. Yeah. So it's this is going to be a lovely episode to do. I always loved it with people who I was either at uni with or people I've known in real life a bit. Because it's going to be nice and nostalgic. I mean, we were just saying off air as well. It's like, what, five years for you, four years for me. And it's graduation season, so I think it makes you feel even more like... Mate, I was honestly, I was at QMU yesterday, and it, like graduation was yesterday at QMU, so there was all those tables with oh. canopies and stuff, and I was just coming at rehearsal like, you know, I'm a hungry, starving actor, quite literally, <laughs> get in my mouth. I didn't do that. But yeah, it's it's weird, man. It's like it, it, it feels like no time at all has passed. Oh. Especially when you use stuff like this. But then, of no. course, everybody's killing it, aren't they? Everybody's like doing changed. stuff. So everyone's a lot older. We're all in our, you know, mid to late 20s. We're head, you know, we're, getting, we're going up. We're going up. And it's, yeah. all, it's fun. But how have you been, Jack? How's the last five years been for you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm obviously joking. <laughs> but unpack it slowly. But in general, how are you? Good, man. I'm good, man. I'm good. In real life, I'm doing all right. I've just moved into a new flat just before, like, fringe stuff starts. So that's good. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm cracking, man. Like it's been last five years have definitely been like a sort of an interesting change in development. I mean, when we knew each other at uni, you said that we obviously did the playwriting module together, and I like I always liked writing and doing stuff like that, and I liked arsing about on stage, but. I didn't I didn't think it was like I was gonna do that. It was more just gonna be like a sort of like, oh, this'll be a thing that you know you talk about. But then I sort of fell into acting sort of backwards and then stuff has just sort of snowballed from there. So it's been nice. It's been the world has the universe has been very kind to me. Not that I like, you know, subscribe to any sort of manifestation or anything like that. But I mean seems things seem to be going well, you know. That's great to hear, man. I'm very happy. I mean, you're, and you, as you say, you're off to the fringe next month, which we'll, I mean, talk about your show in more depth, but that's very exciting. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. It's like, it's, you know, I think it's just all a process, you know, yeah. but it's, it's nice to see, 
you know, it's obviously nice to chat to you and nice to see that you're like, you know, you're thriving and you're cracking on with your stuff. And, you know, you're obviously taking down the airways with this absolute behemoth <laughs> podcast. Gunning for Louis Theroux and the Adam Buxton podcast. If only, man. If yeah, only. man. Nah, oh, screw God. those. Screw, it's all about oh, this Oh, no, no. Adam it's Buxton. All about, He's oh, mate. I love it. Can't, can't get enough of the boxing. I'd give you one of my dream guests to have on this, actually, genuinely. Like, oh, man, me, him and Rosie could just go for a little walk. and just Yeah, man, go, go for a wee ramble. Yeah, be yeah. glad. I think you should definitely undercut him and just do his, like, little sort of records that bookend the start and the end of the podcast. I think you should do that. <laughs> I've already ripped him off a little bit. A few times last year, I'd go for walks, record the <laughs> intros, but my, my best friend, Ellie, who edits this podcast, was like, Stop doing that. The sounds terrible. And I was like, so man, I'll, okay, I'll, cool. <laughs> I'll use tell. the mic. I'll use the mic we'd paid quite a bit of money for instead. Ah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You use yeah. the resources, man. Yeah, yeah. But Jack, obviously, we were speaking about the last sort of five years, but obviously, we normally kick the podcast off by sort of starting with those earliest creative memories. So we're going to wind back even further from five ah, years back. Oof. So, what are your earliest creative memories then? Do you remember? I think I was thinking about this. Um, you know, not that you've sent me questions or anything. This is all no, orga- no. This orga- is an orga- organic orga- discussion, man. <laughs> it's all happening off the cuff, off the cuff. I think I was always engrossed by telly and film. So I was a big quota, you know. So I think really, I think, what do they call it? Being a cinephile is when you like steal lots of stuff. So like, I would just be quoting like Father Ted or The Simpsons or something to my family or whatever. And then I, w- I was always about impressions and whatnot. But then I think in a more like not a conventional sense, creativity came from just like playing and doing games. And like I had like two, oh, I still have them, two older brothers. And we used to like play in the woods or like, I don't know, play like, Age of Empires and sort of project a sort of narrative on it and stuff. So it was more sort of a lot of child play. Sounds very much like my childhood jacket. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like it was, it was, it was cool, man. And of course, like when you're that age, you're just kind of goofing around and there's no, you don't really, I think that's the nice thing about it. I think you don't really put any expert. I mean, you don't even know what expectations are and you can't spell the word expectations. You don't know what creative creativity really is either. You're just doing it. Yeah, exactly. Totally, man. Like, so I think, yeah, just like kicking about with my brothers and and just arsing around. And then it wasn't until I got to sort of maybe like secondary school when you kind of get a more conventional sense of what creativity is. But yeah, definitely big, big quarter, big quarter on the telly. Yeah, we got a quote for us on the spot. Is that too much pressure? Oh, man. Well, what have I been watching? That's the thing. I've been watching a lot of... uh, the Simpsons well well, because obviously it's funny you asked about that about creativity when you're younger because the basis of the show which we're going to talk about later because let's not (laughs) totally screw the structure of the podcast (laughs) Um, do you want like I'm talking a lot about like when I was a kid so I guess there's like the Simpsons when Homer becomes Mr. Plow remember that vaguely yeah yeah. he's like you know and he's like it's like the woman's like make sure you when you're scraping the when you're scraping the, the uh, driveway that you don't scrape off the asphalt, it's like, kiss my asphalt. Oh, could you make sure not to scrape my asphalt? Kiss my asphalt. Pretty good, but you know. You know what, we'll get an interlude of that scene if we can, and we'll just have it playing straight after your impression. Do it, man. Well, uh, yeah, well, show me up for the facade that I really am. So. Oh, no, not at all, not at all. But Jack, sort of speaking about like your earliest memories and, and playing about with your brothers and stuff, like where is it you're actually from? Like, where And how has that influenced oh. you as a creative? 
So I'm from Inverness. I mean, I don't really have an Inverness. No, you really don't. I'm shocked by that. I, would have, I don't know where I would think you were from, but like, I wouldn't. Yeah, it was sort of tickles the ends of the words, I think. But you know, I'm not like, oh, here, what's the crack? Like, oh, you're joking. Like, no way, man. But no, Inverness, like, it's, you know, it's the hub of the Highlands, isn't it? I, I guess know, I've never been to Inverness. How shocking is that? I've never been. You should go, man. Definitely love to go. I've been to the Highlands. I've never made it that far up, though. Yeah, you, you should go because like you've got like loads of you know loads of cool stuff there you've got like Claude Battlefield Drum the Drocket I also have a wee like kind of side hustle of promoting tourism in the Highlands which is obviously why I'm plugging it in the podcast there you go you know getting some subsidies but no like uh, I think obviously when I was at school and doing drama at school that was a big thing but if you're thinking more sort of like locally Eden Court was a massive thing for me the theatre up there when I was younger when I was like early teens I went to the Antics Youth Theatre but that's you know you just create your own stuff and, and you know write and act and stuff like that and I did that for basically all the way through secondary school so I mean that was pretty integral to to actually you know harnessing an interest in drama and theatre and stuff so Eden Court was definitely the the be all and end all but you know living up in the Highlands anyway is just great because it's such a fantastic backdrop and it's so different you know you come down here and like you know to QMU with all these sitters City Slickers with the and Muscle Brother and Muscle Brother honest tune which makes it makes it sound more suspicious I feel but, you know you come down here to civilization and you're like damn man all these people have got shoes <laughs> oh man there's a Starbucks on campus oh my god um, no it was shut yesterday man oh I used to everyone used to say that oh but you have a Starbucks like yeah we did we did well, well it's funny you say that because you know one of my early kind of performance credits was doing the accommodation video for QMU I think I vaguely remember that yeah man if you remember a guy walking across the bridge with a uneven gait and you know a sort of dead eye Frankenstein monster stare that was probably me it's not, <laughs> it's not on my showreel <laughs> Oh well, I didn't make the cut. I didn't make the cut. Fair play. No. What a performance, though. I know, right? QMU, man, you're making me think back. But we'll we'll come on to that shortly. But like, I sort of on the Inverness stuff. I love my favorite question to ask is about people's favorite words and phrases and stuff. But what's your favorite word from Inverness growing up? Oh. Is there a word or a phrase that you really like? Oh, I think one is just oh here, <laughs> oh here. What's the crack like? So it's that's like, actually what you said to me this morning when I was walking down the hill. That's what you shouted at me. Isn't is it? that what I actually said? <laughs> So there you go, man. It's deep. Well, I don't. I can't remember. It might be deeply ingrained. But you just have like, oh, here, watch the crack, or, or something's good. You're like, oh, that's pure weapon, man. <laughs> pure, pure weapon. You're joking. Or rubber bumpers is a big one. I mean, have you heard the Inverness song? No, I don't think so. For the football team, or just a song in general. There's, there's a song called the Inverness song, and oh. it basically is, well, you've not been to Inverness, yeah, so you not. need to listen to that song. So it'll give you all, May- like, it just encapsulates everything about Inverness. It's like, Inverness, what the hell? How are you doing? No bad yourself. And then it just continues to list all of the, the tourist oh, wow. attractions. There you go. Well, make sure and listen before I go on a wee trip there. Um, yeah. Well, the fairy Drakey's Hilton Milton Kin Miley's Up the Buck, Belfield Park, and the islands after dark. Doors in Charleston, Swift and Pollock, Culloden, down the Longman in the rain, Feely Metal, Craig Denny. Inverness, what the hell? How you doing?
for sale for shitty weather, trucks and pissness, Inverness is a fucking business. But speaking, obviously, of that little unique Queen Margaret, which I used to always describe as small but mighty, because, I mean, I, I had a great time there overall, and it, it's lovely that you'd be back, like, this week and stuff as well, rehearsing, but where were you sort of at when you were a teenager? Like, what were you thinking? Because you said before you didn't consider, this could, you know, I'm just going to do this sort of thing, see what happens. Did you go to school? I quite fancy this drama performance. I'm going to move to, like, Edinburgh and start that. Or was, did that come a bit later? Was that, like, uh, a gradual thing? I think, to be honest, man, I think I was just shy everything else like you know like in primary school like I just couldn't I couldn't do you know I knew that I was like not good at stuff like you know wasn't good at sports I wasn't very good at maths or English or writing or anything that I didn't really excel in that and obviously when you're a disabled kid like especially in primary school you kind of uh you know everything's great you're told that you're like you know, special, and you're kind of wrapped in candy floss, not in coffee, uh, cotton wool. So, like, everything, the, the sky is sort of the limit, but you don't really touch the ground. But let's just park the metaphors to the side for a second. So you get it, you know, I got to, like, secondary, and I think because I had older brothers, like, you have a lot of expectations of what you'd quite like to do. So my brother was really good at, like, for me, he was really good at, you know, techie and stuff and carpentry and they both played music so I was like oh cool like I'll you know be really into music and you know all that kind of stuff but then within the first week I was, I was like oh well everything's gone completely backdraft <laughs> do you know what I mean like all my plans just like just completely collapsed in front of me and I always remember man it was the first Friday of S1 and it was block five or period five, you know, depending, you know, what lingo is at your school. The amount of English uh, we have on this uh, podcast that wouldn't even, you know, that it's like year whatever. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Know. Man, I don't know. It's, you know, it's just, <laughs> you know, you, you know, almost need like subtitles or something to yeah. like unpackage it. But yeah, it was, it was block, f- block five on Friday and it was drama. And I remember the teacher was called Miss McKee and she was like, oh, we're going to do like, you know, frozen pictures. That was the foundation term. You know, tableau, if you want to get a text. And it was just stuff like, you know, play golf, go swimming, become a banana. And, you know, I was, you know, I was going through my various assortments of apples and pears and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, hey, I'm quite good at this. Like, so I started going to the drama club and stuff. And it, it started off as a hobby. And then I think it was like the one sort of, I think because of my disability just did not have a bearing on on that at all. Like you can't really be crap, at, you know, pretending you're a walrus, but you can be shite at running. You know, so so I think that was it really, to be honest. Yeah. And then and then it just kind of as I got older, I was like, oh, I'm definitely gonna take this for standard grades. That's good. I can maybe think about maybe I want to do that for hires. And then when I got to doing hires, I was like, right, I actually I, I want to go to uni to do this. And then that became sort of the focus. And I think my mom and dad were just happy that there was something I, I could sort of excel in, you know, because I know a lot of people, especially when I was like in school and even when we were at QMU man you probably know yourself like people that tell things like oh my parents are gonna waste my time or get get a get get a real job job, yeah Yeah, roll credits (laughs) um like um you know but yeah it's yeah it's weird how stuff like that just kind of unrolls itself yeah and how did you find your time at QMU obviously as we're reminiscing mate I loved it I thought it was great I thought it was brilliant I mean, like, I think you've just got to... I mean, I really liked the course because they did a lot of, like, critical theory 
and stuff. You know, I remember the first lecture we had, it was all about fairy tales and how it was all basically like, it was all about like sex and stuff. And I was just like, like every, everyone in that room was like, what? Like, do you know what I mean? And then you just have lectures about neoliberalism and stuff, and they're like, oh, uh, Steve Kramer, what a man. Big, we're big Steve Kramer. Oh, man. Steve- oh. The most of our listeners don't know anything about community. They're just going to be like, Steve Kramer was right. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Steve Kramer. He was great. He was so good, right? And he was like, you know, he'd have a whole lecture, and it was just a three hour lecture, and it just be off the top of his head. You'll remember this, right? And he was great, and he was Australian, which made it better. And, but he just couldn't do anything practical. He was not pragmatic. Like, you know, he'd be like, yeah, so this is, you know, this is what this is about, you know. And, you know, we're talk- talking about, you know, Peter Brook and the empty spice. And, and then he'd be chatting for like two and a half hours. He'd be like, how are we doing for time, by the way? And he'd be like, Steve. Sexually, so I get it. You know, how are we, how are we doing? I feel like time? I'm back in the room. Yeah, mate. Oh, mate. I'm actually Steve Kramer. I'm going to rip, up, rip my head off and avail He'd always myself. go for a quick cigarette, though. He'd always have time for a cigarette break, though. He would always yeah, get a he quick would. one. He would. He'd be like, he'd be like, you know, Emma got cigarettes. I'll, um, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, you know, I'll give you, he'd give you money for cigarettes. But he would, just, you know, he'd be like, how are we doing for time? And you're like, we're, we're 15 minutes over. And he'd be like, shit, I was meant to be somewhere 15 minutes ago. And he just like wouldn't wrap up the lecture <laughs> and just walk out. Oh, um, but I mean, I I loved it. I think like I learned so much about the world just being at QMU. Like I think especially like being, you know, if you're interested in writing and acting, I think it's really good to know more about the world, especially like, you know, I think I guess I'm I guess I'm a bit of a political call. I'm not like completely up on everything, but you know, when you're disabled and you're Scottish, you're probably gonna be and you're working class, you're probably gonna be left wing. <laughs> you know, so it was interesting to me like to just like learn how everything works. I mean, I remember like, you know, all the stuff about Thatcher and I think when you're a kid and you know, you get t- told about all this stuff. You're like, oh yeah, people don't like Tories or whatever. And then, oh, oh obviously, man, don't want to alienate you know any listeners of the podcast. What's important is that we're not polarized. You can chat about these things, you know, and everybody's <laughs> opinion is valid and um, you know and welcoming. Right, I think I've covered myself there. Yeah, we're but, safe. Um, we're safe. I don't have to say a thing, just like you do. It. It's fine. Yeah, man. On, but honestly, that's the thing. But like, it, yeah, I mean, I'm going down a bit of a rabbit hole. And, no, this and, is what long form conversations for. You're dead. Well, look, look at you like you're just on it but you can't read me in but no I remember like you know we learned stuff about Thatcher and, and you have all these pre- not or, or just political opinions that are like sort of conditioned because your family obviously thinks something and your parents think something and then you go and you learn all this shit and then you're like oh that's actually what that is and then you can actually question things and I mean that's what uni's for isn't it like you you know I mean of course you don't need to go you need to do anything but like you know that's what I liked about it and I was able you know you kind of I think as well like when you do something when you're in uni and when it's a creative course and you probably find this yourself Jamie like you have all these ideas of what you're meant to like so mm. you buy all the books they tell you to buy you read all the things you're meant to read and you're like I don't get any of this and then like you know in second year you're like oh, actually I'm really into Adjipropti or Augusto Boal or you know I'm super into I don't know RuPaul's Drag you know you know it's fine like you know People just find it, find your own way around things. And I think that's why I really liked it. And I think you make what you want out of uni. And I think that's what the course allowed you to do. 
Yeah, no, and I, I felt like I was able to do that. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I echo that, you know, having, I mean, obviously mine is slightly different, but like we had the film stuff and then theatre stuff. It's like a good broad course and it was just a nice time. And like, obviously the class where I know you a bit from, Senya's class was, yeah, man, a massive was... shout out to her as well. Was, I mean, this was a fun time. We just like, right, plays and then we'd all sort of act them out like absolute dingles. It was great. It was, mate, it was amazing. I love that cr- class. Everybody was so like, so open as well. To like yeah. even the feedback and stuff like so you know obviously like being you know doing yeah. creative stuff like you can you can sometimes find people that could be quite quite competitive and you know and act like a jobby but like but like everybody was so lovely and yeah it was man, a good time. It was, it was a, it was a really nurturing environment. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But Jack is I thought it might be nice. A nice time in the interview just to, to sort of ask you, I mean, obviously about your disability and about your cerebral palsy, because I know you're quite a big activist on this as well, and in a lovely way. I know you said, no, genuinely, because you're obviously, I've saw it from following you on social media over the last five years and keeping up with what you've been up to. Like, I know you've been involved in like various projects that and very much celebrated it. And I think it's, I love that you don't like, you know, you don't hide behind or anything. You're very like, it's who you are. And like, I know that's lovely to see. And obviously, like, as I was saying to you off air, it's just a great thing, I think, to have a conversation about on the podcast because, yeah, like, People, people, there'd be so many people listening that probably can relate or have similar things that they worry about and just to know that it's okay as well yeah yeah for sure honestly being you know being disabled is 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 part of me it's part of my identity and stuff and like I think obviously like everybody growing up comes to terms with who they are and you know and that's a long that's a long process and for, for and, most people, and, very ongoing. <laughs> yeah, like, mate, exactly, exactly. And I think, like, there's no point. The thing is, especially being a creative person, you know, if, if uh, me having a disability, that is another thing to distinguish me from anybody else. And, like, I have cerebral palsy. And for, for people that don't know, cerebral palsy is caused by a lack of oxygen, a birth and basically it's a bit basically i mean one of my early like i used to do stand-up i don't do it anymore but one of my early things was you know my opening quirk was like you know every comedian's got their quirk you know you got the funny one the geeky one you know but you know i've not really got a quirk you know um, i've got cerebral palsy and it's not the same as say a funny hat or a funny haircut it's brain damage like, you know, gasps of silence. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, um, but like, I think, yeah, man, being disabled and a disabled performer, that I would, like, call myself that. I have no qualms being, like, oh, you're a disabled actor, writer, or whatever. And, like, obviously a lot of the work, as you're saying, that I've done has been centred around that. And with each kind of bit of work, you need to just kind of to just be very very thoughtful for what it is you know and like one of the big things I did was a play down in the Hampstead Theatre in London and it was called Cost of Living and I played a wheelchair user with CP and uh, basically it was about he was a Princeton graduate and it was all about him balancing his academic life and hit but with care and it was like his his carer was like from what low sort of working class and he was like quite affluent but like approaching that role I was looking at the script and I was like right what does this say about disability what's the message here am I the right person to do this you know do I want to do this and that always I mean for any actor or any creative thing you need to go do I want to do this can I see myself doing this but like from a disability angle like you need to make sure that it's perpetuating a good sort of message and you know I've done shows 
I'm more centered around that and I've done things that have nothing to do with that. And I think, yeah, I mean, I embrace my own individuality and I think it's it's really important. Yeah, no, 100%, 100%. And, and thank you as well, Jack, for being so like honest and stuff about it and like and speaking honestly about your emotions and, and coming on a podcast and being vulnerable because you know that a lot of people are a bit guarded sometimes when I interview them and that's totally fair. So I do appreciate you being like willing to just go to the depths of what nah, man, it's, it's no but it's it's good man i mean like disability like so i'm gonna I'll, I'll, I'll we're talking about it so i might as well use it to lay it out disability when i was younger right you, you're a young disabled kid who's very different from everybody else and you kind of know that and you feel like you're an outsider and there's all this conditioning about how you feel like you're an outsider and so for example there's a thing called the social model of disability right yeah and, you know, you might be aware of this, you might not be. But what that is, is it means that disabled people are not disabled by their own impairment, whether it's physical, mental, cognitive, different, whatever. They're disabled by barriers. In the world. Like societal yeah. barriers. So yeah. if that's physical, it could be like a ramp or it could be attitudes, right? And like when I was younger and when I was in QMU as well, like you have a lot of internalised ableism you know, and that can be quite difficult. But when I found out, like, you know, the social media disability that, that existed, it was kind of like finding Jesus. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You're kind of like, you know, I mean, not, you know, I, I don't subscribe to that, but people might, and that's totally cool. All about beliefs. You can be your own person. That's another one. Disclaimer, <laughs> drop that in there. We're but not like, getting cancelled, you know. No, like, I mean, I mean the, well, imagine, could you imagine, could you imagine the privilege that you would have to be in the moment where Jack Hunter gets cancelled? <laughs> you know, that's, that's how you should definitely promote no. this. Oh, no, no, listen no. to this not, chat. Say nothing, li- bad man. Listen to this mad dinger. Get just, tr- just dropping some truth bombs. Right? Um, it's fine. Yeah, but I mean, but that's it, man. And like, the thing is, I, I embrace as a creative person. I embrace my disability, but I think it's all about telling. We all we're into this to tell stories, aren't we? And I think it's about for disabled stories to be told aren't given enough light. But these stories need to be told by people that have the disability and that are immersed within that world. It's all about who has the authority to tell these stories. Yeah. You know, and I think, I think also as well, it's about telling stories where people are not defined by their disability. You know, it's like, and I like when I audition for for, for things, I get a lot of scripts through. I, well, not a lot. I get scripts through, right? Because I'm still, I've still very much got a civilian job, and I'm eating canopies at CUME graduation, as I've said. Um, but I get I get scripts through and I always open them, right? And I'm like, right, where's the disability crack? Where is it? Where is it? Oh, here it is, page. 42, like, do you know what I mean? Like, and it's fine. And sometimes it's totally cool. And you're like, rare, this makes sense. There's a disabled guy who's cutting about his life and it might have something to do with his disability, but there's a lot more going on. It's when you get stuff, this like sort of inspo porn type thing, you know, like, oh, look how inspiring they are, making a cup of tea or, you know, things like that are really yeah. damaging stuff that's quite 100%. harmful like you know sort of you know this person won't amount to anything and and i think there's a lot of stories that are out there right now that are written by you know non-disabled people where it's kind of very much been like you know look how inspiring these people are to kind of just get a normative whatever that means way of life like house job <coughs> dog partner whatever and you got to kind of really ask yourself you're like is this inspiring 
or is it just kind of unfair? You know, yeah. of course, like the winds are changing. They are. I mean, like you know, Coda getting like the Oscar and you know all, all this like really cool stuff. So there is like there is progression and stuff. Mm. You know, and and, and, you know, and these conversations are going on in de- in development now. You know, I'm working in that. Like it's it's something we actively talk about all the time, and and maybe just wasn't even thought about even five years ago. So I think you're right. I think it is some positive signs. There's still a lot to do though, and that's why it's oh. so, it's so important for us to have these conversations um Com- completely man and like i think over covid a lot of stuff's happened and you know i think one thing that was amazing about covid was that everyone was connected and everybody like conversations were coming up and there's a big thing man i mean i was joking about early on but like everything's so polarizing now and you know you know it's a lot of people are just screaming into their own echo chamber until they see their own arse you know yeah. and that doesn't really help you know if i want to go on a massive like rant about council tax right I, you know i can't be demonizing people that do council tax for example you know you got to chat to these people you got to convince them if i'm going to talk about disability politics I've got to bring people in and be like, hey man, what's you know, what's yeah. what's your opinion? And like I remember like when the whole Black Lives Matter kicked off, and obviously being like a, a you know a cis white guy from Inverness, like I'm not gonna know a lot about that. And I remember checking myself, being like, Man, there's so much shit that I don't know, but also it's fine, you know, because a lot of people from that community would tell me these things and I would be like, oh, it's okay to learn. You know, it's fine. You know, a very, very, very fantastic friend of mine, I'll give the wee name drop, um, Afton Moran, who also went to QMU. Yeah, of course. And they're they're non-binary. And, you know, they've obviously gone through their own journey with identifying as non-binary and trans. And before I met them and before we really got kind of chatting, I didn't really know anything about that. You know, and like it was just sort of, I didn't have any like obviously negative views or anything. I didn't know it, you know, but when you meet people and you chat to people like that's when you can really bring people in. And I think regardless if you're talking about a creative sense, like, you know, if you want to like rip the walls down and set the world on fire, like that's that's fine. But somebody's going to have to, you know, sift through it and put it back together. Yeah. You, know, you, you got to think about long term. As opposed to short term, hundred percent, I totally agree, and it's it's great to have these sort of conversations on the podcast. And I mean, especially talking about the model of like disability and stuff that you were saying before. What, what's the actual title for it? I've forgotten. Just just so, I... so there's quite a few ones. There's like the social model of disability. Yeah, social model. So that's that's like you know that kind of was originally done in like the sort of the eighties. You know, all, all the good things happened in the 80s, man. You know, social model disability. Stranger things. <laughs> Stranger things. Peter Gabriel. Kate Bush. It's all it's all good, man. It's all yeah. good stuff. Except some of the later David Bowie stuff. That's a bit weird. Yeah. Um, but um, but so that's you know, and then you've got the medical model, which most people will probably be quite familiar with, you know, and that's like sort of like you know, disabled people need to be kind of you know, they've got a medical problem, they need to be sorted, they need to be fixed. So the charitable model, and obviously the are places well that's valid you know if i go in and see the or you know the surgeon i'm like listen my tendon's giving me jip and actually my leg might drop off any minute if they kind of go well jack maybe it's just your attitude stopping that I'm like no i mean like you know like fix me out now put a bionic leg you know turn me into darth vader's do what you want on that medical knowledge but you know there are things like the medical model and the charitable model but the social model is what like generally i would advocate like yeah to use no, and, 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 like, and um, learn about yeah we'll put a link yeah. to, well, let's put a link to it in this episode. For sure, but, like, obviously i 
I mean, I'm quite I'm aware of it because, well, first I used to work in adult care for like years when I was a part-time job at uni. So I used to work with disabled adults as a job, which was a life-changing thing, which I talked about many times as a podcast. It just exposes you to stuff, as we say, that you would just never know as like growing up and stuff. And also just like, I know it's neurodiverse, but it's, it's kind of something just obviously someone again talk about on the podcast all the time is being dyslexic. And as you say, you internalize all this stuff your whole life, to, even when you're at uni and stuff. And then it's only when you're in your mid-20s and you start to do the work on yourself, you're like, Christ, like maybe it's, it's okay. It's not your fault. Like, you know, you maybe are hard on yourself. You don't even think about the fact that you'd had this yeah, thing that's I'm... getting in the way that you didn't, you forget that is yeah there. man like i mean i think i think the thing is as well there's so many societal expectations that get put upon you you know i mean like loads of ideals and stuff and one of my massive things man was like getting over idealism you know yeah you know and that's just like disabled non-disabled whatever that's a massive thing you know being like oh shit like when am i gonna like be able to have a mortgage or you know when you know when am i gonna like you know, I don't know, maybe like, you know, find a partner or, or, you know, all these things that you just wind around in your head. And actually, like, it takes a long time to detach yourself from those things mm. and be like, well, actually, you just got to, you just got to get, like, look after yourself, you know, like, and also be, especially being a creative person, like, this is not, a, oh, not yeah. like, it's not a nine to five existence. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's fraught with uncertainties. You know, so it's as you say, it's important to have those conversations. I mean, I do work with Birds of Paradise Theatre, who are great. They're a disabled led theatre company in um, based in Glasgow, and I do like disability equality training with them. So they've got really good resources on their website if you wanted to drop that. And yeah. there's also things like Grey Eye. They're a London disabled led theatre company, and I've done a lot of work with them. But I mean, like it's you know, it's just passing the information on, you know, hundred percent, and having these necessary conversations. But of course, we'll, we'll link all that stuff. I'll get you to send me these resources after. But Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. I think it's also important, as much as I could sit here for hours and talk about this, admit this really interesting stuff. I think it's also important that we talk about your friend show while we got you on this podcast, of course. So tell us about one of two. One of yeah. two. Yeah. So it's very exciting. At uni, as I said, I always used to write and stuff, and I did a lot of sketch comedy. And then after I left uni, I did a lot of like acting stuff, like performing. So this was a this was because of COVID. 
really, you know, because I was on that sweet, sweet Rizzy Sunak furlough. And I remember I always knew, like, so I've got cerebral palsy and I've got a twin sister that has cerebral palsy. And she's a wheelchair user, so her manifestation of CP is quite different. And the play is basically about growing up as one of two twins with cerebral palsy. And, like, the reason why I think, well, it is interesting, buy your tickets now, um, is because Beck's, the disparity and divergence between our life experience has been vast. And that is purely because of the differing attitudes and barriers that we faced through school and everything. And I always knew I wanted to do something about that, like like that, whether I wanted to use that as a basis, as like an influence and create my own thing. And then lockdown happened. And, you know, I said to you, there's all this conditioning and all this sort of idealism that we wrestle with. And I wrestled with a lot. You know, I wanted to fit in. I was like, very insecure and you know like through secondary school as well and probably like a lot of people in secondary school like you know mental health can take a big dip and you want to kind of fit in and you know I very much carried that over when I was in uni and then I basically I I got into like a, a relationship and you know it was all kind of fine and then that ended and then I just sort of realized at the end of that I was like shit man like I'm wrapping myself up in different people and I've not got my own back you know mm-hmm. and it was a big a big thing so then lockdown came around and I just saw that you know it was the playwright studio they were doing a, a mentorship they do mentorship awards anyway but they were doing a joint one with Birds of Paradise for disabled playwright as I was kind of like oh you know I think I fit the, the bill for that not by governmental standards though I don't get papered DWP or anything like that but anyway <laughs> I digress but for their standards I fitted it and I was like what am I going to do I'll, I'll write this play so it's a one person play um, I know what an egotistical get but Beck is in it but she's in it through voiceover and multimedia and stuff and it basically sort of tracks you know our, our sort of like formative years through school and stuff but there's also this other sort of narrative where it's me in this flat basically being like you know everything's kind of come crashing down and the realization of you're out on your own and you know and how do, how do you kind of deal with that it all sounds really really heavy but I, I can assure you there's lots of goofy goofy fun sort of silly humor and uh you know a bit of spoken word and you know if you're into music and stuff there's a lot of pretty overt music references i think i even do a bob dylan impression at one point so you know it's yeah it's it's varied <laughs> You got the are you able to do the Bob Dylan impression for us now? I'm putting you on the spot. Well, well Bob's pretty interested, isn't he? Because you know, everybody <laughs> kind of knows him like that, you know, he kind of does these things and he's like, Whoa, oh, my guys, you know. But he doesn't really talk like that anymore. He's you know quite husky now. He does this weird octave jump, you know. So you know him as like, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man. He doesn't do that anymore. He's like, hey, Mr. Tambourine Man, do a, do a, do a song for me. He's got this weird octave jump. So Bob has kind of changed a little bit. But, you know, I mean, I think that was a thing for lockdown as well. Bob was someone that I never really got into. And then I was like bored. And I was like, I'm, you know, but it's time for, it's time for, to me, give Bob another chance. And he's so easy. The thing is, feel bad for Bob because it's so easy to take the piss out of him. But he's, he's amazing. You know, like his, you know, versus. He'll be fine, Jack. I mean, don't worry, I'm sure he can handle it. Uh, well, I'm, you know, <laughs> he's definitely going to listen to this. 
<laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, but no, I'm sure he can. He can, you know, he, does, he doesn't really care anymore. I mean, like apparently in his gigs now, I'm definitely spending way too much time talking about Bob Dylan. But as he rearranges all of his songs now, the melodies and shit, so people don't even realize what they're getting. Yeah. You know, so you can't sing along. I like, wouldn't. I wouldn't even bother seeing him live. It's just absolutely. See, he's taking the piss. He's taking. He's, the piss. he's taking the piss. Fair, fair play. I guess if you're that established, why, why not? But uh, how was the sort of how was writing this show then? As you say, like it's been. In, it sounds like it's been inside you for like a long time, and it's great to get it on the page and get it performed and stuff. Yeah, I mean, like if you told me like maybe a year ago, two years ago, that you know, Joe was doing an autobiographical show, I'd be like, no, like <laughs> you absolutely not. But I just felt really compelled to write it because it just, it was like, look, there's no point creating a facade for this or a creative like sort of vehicle. Like mm. you just got to tell the story. But one of the best bits of advice I got, I did a playwriting work- workshop, like a Trav Free thing yeah. with Hannah Lavery. And one of the best things she said to the group was always make sure you're writing in yesterday's blood, and um, which obviously is an incredibly hyperbolic, dramatic thing to say, you know, and if people have switched off after I've said that, I'm sorry. But what she means by that is that always make sure that stuff's in the rearview mirror, that you've got perspective on that. So, like, you know, it took me a good couple of years to get to a point where I could talk about the childhood stuff was like, you know, that was all kind of fine and school and stuff, but all the other kind of personal shit that happened kind of like kind of happened around the end of uni time actually you know you need you you need time to to sort of digest that and analyze that and go what what does that actually mean so like i i started off like i was writing just stuff down i was getting it all down on the page and you're just not even writing it i think i was really bad at drafting yeah. anything essays man like writing stuff down of bad drafting so you gotta just give yourself the permission to be like just get it down on the page and it doesn't matter if it's crap in fact it's good if it's crap because you can write stuff and there might be a little nugget of something you're like oh there's maybe something there so it started out just writing that all down and i sent all this to my mentor and he was like all right this is cool and then i would work to deadlines and I got the first draft in and it was just like sort of writing, you know, tying all the all the gobbledygook together. And then it was just kind of, yeah, I mean, finding out where my voice sat in it and where Beck's voice sat. Because talking about getting Beck involved, that's really important because there's a lot of ethical stuff. And it's more about my perception of what happened with her experience in school and stuff. So I've got to be very careful around that. And actually, it became very clear to me that I needed Beck in the show. I needed her and everything that she says in the show, pretty much, apart from some gags that I throw her way. But she, you know, she, you know, she's funny enough. She come up with her own stuff. You know, that was all verbatim from her. So it was kind of my perception of what happened to her and she tells her own story so it was like all about putting that together and you finesse it and you know you find conventions for things and and also it's a you know as i said it's stylistically a bit of a hodgepodge it's like you know a bit sort of comedy there's some stand-up-y bits that are kind of in it and then there's like more spoken word stuff that forms like the the spine of the play and that everything's kind of shaped around that you know it's just kind of tying it all together but I mean the whole mentorship process was like maybe eight 
eight, nine months. And then after that, Summerhall were putting a thing out called the Mary Dick Award. And they were basically looking for a disabled artist or company to be part of the programme. So uh, we put a budget together and, you know, kind of sourced support from you know people I know and whatnot and luckily they asked and yeah now it's happening it's very exciting and where and do you want to plug the time stuff obviously there'll be a link to it underneath but what times are on and it's also on at summer hall but like when 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 can people come and see it Jack because they are gonna come they're gonna listen to this and they're gonna come they're gonna, they're gonna come so <laughs> so yeah man you can everybody listen to this right now you can come catch one of two at summer hall and it's at 11 45 from the old lab and it runs the whole fringe, so it's like the 3rd until the 28th. Every show will feature integrated captioning and audio description, so that's cool, all about that sweet, sweet access. And I believe we have a relaxed performance as well. Uh, Don't quote me on that, but I think that's on the 21st of August. So, so it's cool. I mean, that's also awesome as well. Is like just being able to integrate access into performance, and yeah, that's a whole other conversation. But yeah, so come, come see it. And yeah. um, if you want any more spicy updates, generally me just farting about in rehearsals. You can follow me on Jack underscore Hunter ninety five, and I'm on Twitter and Instagram. And you know, you yeah. can be one of two people watching the videos. Ah, oh, don't come on now. One now, no, I will link obviously all this under. I know we've nearly been speaking for a while, I think about an hour nearly, which is mental. It always goes fine. Been some great chats, got still a few questions to, to yeah, sort of ask you. I start to wrap up though, but another sort of question I think this is one of the ones I sent you. But like, what are the sort of free skills that you think everyone would benefit from if they wanted to be an actor, performer, writer, etc.? It's a good question. I think one definitely is having an open mind. And not being too hard, not being right. Firstly, not being too hard on yourself because there's a bit, there's a big thing, especially with acting, you know, and somehow I've managed to do a little bit of it. But my experience of it is that you've got to change your expectations of what success is. Because if you go in being like, I'm going to audition for this thing, and if I don't get it, I've failed. Yeah, you're you're gonna burn yourself out, and that is gonna suck ass. You're gonna feel really bad about it. So you just got to change how you view things. If you do an audition, right, and it's like banging, and you're like, "That's amazing." I feel like I've I've warmed. You have a nice time with the people in the room. You have like a rapport. If you get a recall and you get around to the next stage, fabby, you're laughing. You can laugh all the way to the bank. That's a very tangible thing. You can be like, oh, I got a recall. But if you don't get a call back or you don't get the job, don't beat yourself up because you can you can still do a good job and you're still being seen and showcasing yourself. You might not get a job because purely something that's completely out of your control. It could be like an aesthetic thing. It could be, you know, they might be looking for a different type of performer, which is fine because you can't do everything, you know? Like, there's so many things. And the thing is, don't sell your own individuality away. Use that, embrace it welcome it in use that as a performer or a writer or anything don't sell yourself short you know so be able to view the small victories and be happy with yourself about just going to an audition and being seen because they'll remember you they will remember you i did an audition for a fairly big company down in englandshire and it was just a general thing it was like they met me and it was um it was in the room and I did the audition and it was like Shakespeare stuff. So like I wasn't that confident. I hadn't had that much experience. I did this audition and I dried 
I tried like twice and I eventually got it out of the way and I was like, that's it. That's an absolute disaster. This has been terrible. And then a few weeks later, I get an email being like, oh, do you want to come to an actual audition edition for this thing? So here's me thinking I'd absolutely biffed it. And, you know, you still get, you know, they're, oh, no, there's, there was something. They obviously saw something in me, you know, that asked them to come back. Maybe it's fulfilling their equal opportunities quota who knows but maybe you know maybe there is a nugget of something in what i was doing so that's definitely one don't be hard on yourself always be open to change always be open to like learning on the job everything is a learning experience um i think especially writing as well that's a big thing not being too precious about you know when you're in a collaborative process you know it is collaborative stuff can go i had the first day of rehearsals with the director uh robert who's the AD of Bob, Birds of Paradise. We read through it and we're like, all right, cool. And I was doing the read through and I was like, this can get caught, that can get caught, this can get caught. And he would make suggestions. At the end of that day, I think we'd cut like a thousand words from it. And it was just sometimes, especially in early drafting, you can get really set on like, no, this is what I think this is. Yeah. But stuff can change. You know, definitely. Um, and also, like, be, be again, be kind to yourself. Like, you know, if you that's, get the, that's a massive one. Yeah. Yeah, and if you're if you're writing and stuff, right? And if it's like, right, I need to I need to write this thing today. I need to write I need to write this this experience about being me being on the minibus in primary school, and that's what I need to get done today. And if you get that done in like two hours, banging, go do something else. You know, give yourself a break. Don't agonize. And when your brain tells you you need to sw- switch off and you're like, I can't do this, listen to it. If you're if you're swanning off playing like FIFA or The Last of Us or whatever and you're not doing work, that guilt's there and that will work on you. But if you're literally burnt out and you go, actually, I just want to like have a magnum and watch like The Apprentice, then do that. Be kind to yourself. 100%. Well, f- no, thank you for sharing those skills. They're all very hard, but very necessary to try and learn if you're if you're in this uh, creative industries in general. And I think it's good to talk about them. Just get a real job. But of course, as we alluded to before, the name of the podcast is Just Get A Real Job. We'd all had to work jobs yeah, in our time as creatives that we maybe didn't like. Part-time jobs are quote real jobs. But what's the worst one you'd had to do so far? Has there oh, been mate. any horror stories? Mate. <laughs> just took a big just, drink there took a big drink li- there li- literally just strap in stop the bus get everybody off right so i mean technically i was when it was when i was at uni right there was a summer break and everyone went home and i went home and um i was applying for jobs and i got a job at pound world not pound land pound world pound world right so it's not even like the world that is original right and it was like stacking shelves and stuff. And I go to the interview and I say to them, I'm like, you know, um, listen, you know, obviously answer all their like job questions. And then I say to them, obviously I've got cerebral palsy. This affects my dexterity. I'm a movement and I'm not necessarily that quick all the time. It just and it takes me time to like just get used to things and learn things and you know. And the the you know the manager was like, Oh yeah, don't worry about it. It's all insurmountable, nothing's insurmountable, like you will be fine. So I do a couple of days on shift, right? And they give you like no training, right? They don't tell you how to use the till, all that all that classic stuff that everybody knows. And um one day, I think it was maybe two or three days down the line, I get called into the manager's office and she's like 
I just don't think this is working. And I was like, what, what do you mean? And she was like, well, you know, it just seems like you don't want to be here anymore. And I was like, I mean, who, no, I, you know, I, I try my best when I'm in here. Who's told you that? It's like, oh, I can't, I can't say. And and she was like, um, she was like, oh, you've just, you know, you've just sort of lost your sparkle. That's what she said. And I was like, I'm not a woodland creature, you know, from Midsummer's Night's Dream. You know, I'm like a spotty, specky, like 21 year old working in a discount store. And then she was like, and I was like, well, you know, she's like, you're just quite, you know, you're not picking stuff up and I don't think you're getting it. And I was like, I, I told you that I had cerebral palsy. And she's like, no, you didn't. I was like, I did. We had a whole conversation about it. And she was like, oh, right. And she was just agonising over it because she knew I was shy, right? I couldn't do the job. And I knew I was shy. But she just didn't have the heart to let me go. I think she was bricking it because she was like, I can't get rid of the disabled guy, right? Because this, you know, it'll take me to court and, you know, I'll have nothing left. But, the, you know, the, the sort of 50 pack of Freddo's that we sell in the confectionery aisle, right? So I had to basically sack myself. I had to basically sack myself. I was like, so what is this? And she was like, oh, I don't know what this is. And I was like, right, well, do you like? Do you want me to like carry on or whatever? And she was like, mm, I, I don't know. What do you think? And I was like, well, I don't want to have to have this conversation again, you know, next week. So maybe I should just leave. And she was like, yeah, yeah, I think that's probably the best. And I was like, well, do you want me to finish the shifts for the rest of the week? And she was like, no, 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 no. Um, no, you can just finish at the end of the day. So, it, but then again, it was that thing where people just didn't know how to skate around Man. disability and stuff. But that's I, insane. I had to basically sack myself for Pound World. But at least you, you could say I, that. You're like, you know, yeah, man. I, I, mean, I am my own boss. Well, exactly. I mean, I think it was Kevin Bridges, wasn't it? He was like, everything, everybody's worth a pound, but you. I mean, the, the best thing they had at Pound World, right, was they had one direction toilet roll, which is genius, right? Because people that like it will buy it, but then people who don't like one direction will buy it as well. <laughs> so they've utilized the market, really, haven't they? <laughs> I never thought we'd talk about one direction toilet paper on this podcast, but we've reached. New heights. One direction, down the ball. No, I mean, if, I mean, what a podcast is, is Jack? I mean, we'd, we'd had some deep conversations about disability and we'd also talked about One Direction pod, uh, toilet paper on the same podcast. That is just insane. There you go. It's just Mate, it's the, versatile, the range man. we have. It's versatile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, Jack, we've got, I've only got one more question left for you. Uh, just to say, this has been an absolute joy. We could easily talk for longer. Oh, it's been I hope great. you'll come and see your show. I'll definitely be there to see it. I look forward to it. There'll be links in the show notes, obviously. But just to close off the podcast, I mean, you shared some great advice and insights, right? But you normally just round off by asking our guests to just summarise what their advice would be to somebody who wanted to get into what they do. Yeah, I, I mean, it's been great being here as well, man. Like, we should definitely get a pint after this. Yeah, definitely. Sure. Catch up. Proper. Yeah. But advice I would give to people, just keep doing it honestly keep doing it because only you know what your limits are and like i definitely didn't think that i would be like writing or acting or whatever like be trust yourself and be persistent and things can change and i think if you've really got a passion for it and trust your own voice you know and you don't also don't compare yourself to other people because it does not help it, it, it doesn't help at all but i would just say stick it i mean it's really generic advice but like trust yourself stick in 
and just you know yeah just have fun you know have have fun with it you know because i know people you probably know people as well i know people that you know did study drama or creative stuff and they're like and they've they've they're doing other stuff there which is which is cool but then they always like every time i see it's always when you're in the kitchen man at their house at like 12 o'clock having a like a can of tenants or something which is much much better on uh, draft than a tin but there we go <laughs> and and they're always like yeah man i wish i just you know stuck in or i really think about don't don't if you've got creative ambitions don't let them become something that just becomes pub chat or late night chat stick it out and if it falls on its arse brilliant and if you fall on your arse which i do a lot because the pavements of edinburgh are a nightmare then that's fine you, you always pick up and learn stuff so yeah stick 100%. in trust yourself yeah have fun 100 jack thank you it's been an absolute pleasure thank you man been baller So there you go, that was episode 84 with actor and writer Jack Hunter. Massive shout out to Jack for coming on the podcast. It was lovely to see him again, lovely to catch up. Um, Really, really enjoy these episodes. It's always quite special for me getting to record the podcast with people I know or like haven't seen for a while and stuff. Just It's like a great excuse to just check in and stuff. It's great. So it was lovely to catch up with Jack. I hope you liked what we had to say really interesting conversations we put links in the description of the podcast about like disability and the social model and all that stuff we talked about there's also links to jack's fringe show be sure to go and see it i'm sure it's going to be great and there's a link to jack's social media all that stuff the usual stuff in the show notes so if you just want to have a wee scroll it's underneath the podcast Um, and as always if you're enjoying the podcast be sure to listen to our back catalog if you're new to us share us on social media tell friends and family to listen all the usual stuff Um, it's too hot a day to even keep listening it anyway i hope you're listening to this on a lovely sunday Tuesday or just whenever you listen to it I hope, I hope maybe if you're listening to it in December 2023 maybe it'll be sunny then too who knows what climate change is going to do to us but anyway that's all we have time for this week have a lovely week and we'll be back again next Tuesday with another episode of Just Get A Real Job Just Get A Real Job